Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Guardians 4, the Cincinnati Reds 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. But I guess of all days uh, to talk about things not on the field, uh, well, I guess it did take place on the field. They did force Terry Francona to, uh, you know, accept his ovation and uh, make it through a tribute video. Uh, and it happened on the field. They forced him to, uh, to you know, get through uh, the Thank You Tito Day uh, at Progressive Field, his final home game. So I guess of all days, uh, I guess today's probably a day to talk a little bit about Terry Francona, his legacy, and what he's meant to the team. And I'm sure you're curious my opinion of him, I guess. Uh, not that that really matters, but uh, frankly, uh, I'm kind of having a hard time putting together my thoughts about it because I don't remember the last time a manager of any sports team, I'll even throw the Ohio State Buckeyes in there. I don't remember the last time anyone got to walk away and have a moment like this. I, it, seriously, I, when is the last time a manager or coach, you know, got to ride off into the sunset without there being some controversy or some, uh, you know, down tick in performance? Uh, I, I don't remember Charlie Manuel, Mike Hargrove. I don't remember it going down like this. I don't even remember why they got rid of Mike Hargrove, to be honest. I don't. I, I was there for it. I remember the switch to Charlie Manuel. I don't remember why. Uh, I'm thinking with the Cavs. I mean, Mike Brown didn't end well. Uh, Lenny Wilkins, I don't remember being him riding off into the sunset. Like I, I don't, I don't remember anyone on that side. Uh, clearly with the Cleveland Browns, it's been an absolute disaster. Uh, nobody since they came back, uh, 1999, uh, has exited well. Uh, nobody started well either. Uh, I don't remember Marty Schottenheimer. Bill Belichick was a, a disaster here, you know. Um, and well, he wasn't a disaster coaching, but the way it ended was, uh, yeah, even Ohio State. Uh, Jim, even Jim Trestle ends in controversy. So uh, Woody Hayes ends in controversy. Uh, Paul Brown leaving to go start the Cincinnati Bengals is controversy, you know. So I, I don't know. Frank was Frank Robinson and a smooth transition away from Cleveland Indians manager? Maybe. maybe. I, I don't remember. I wasn't around for that. So yeah, uh, and for the I mean yeah for the baseball team, there's just there's been so many managers to even to even start naming them. So I don't remember anyone who's really gotten a chance to ride off into the sunset like this. So it's a pretty unique position to be in. I mean, when Francona first came here, I don't remember being like blown away with the hire. I thought it was interesting, uh, probably like the rest of you. I thought, hey, uh, you know, obviously was able to break the curse in Boston, win a couple of World Series there. Uh, that's the kind of experience that's nice to have around here. And uh, I mean, throughout his tenure, he has it's it's something that I haven't questioned on this team. Right. Uh, maybe until this season uh, where I really started to pay attention to some of those managerial decisions or he just. 
I don't think we'll ever know really why he was so kind of stuck in the mud with some decisions this year. Cam Gallagher. We're talking about Cam Gallagher and Miles Straw. Uh, I don't think we'll ever really dig into that. Uh, I think at this point in his career, he's going to be celebrated. And I I think the questioning of Terry Francona is probably done. We're not going to do it tonight. We're not. I know. I know the emailers. I saw. I saw his final home game. He let Cam Gallagher play catcher. There there was no reason for it, but he did. And... uh, Coincidentally, Cam Gallagher is the only person in the lineup not to get a hit tonight. So I thought that was fitting. Um, but hey, I, he gets to make the decision on his final day. I, I think, I think if I remember from the reg- the rest of the season, I think Bieber likes throwing to Cam Gallagher. So maybe, maybe because Bieber was on the mound, that was the reason that Gallagher was in there. But hey, okay, we're not going to question Terry Francona. Not on this day. So I, you know. For a guy that absolutely hates the spotlight being shined on him, I thought he did a good job of sucking it up and uh, letting the fans express their appreciation. Uh, he survived the video tribute that they did before the game. Uh, he survived the standing ovation that Jose Ramirez apparently blocked his exit and forced him to take after the game. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was a nice moment for... Uh, a guy who has been a very steady force uh, for this town, uh, for this team. So I do. I appreciate Tito for his 11 years of service. Uh, we can get into some Tito numbers and stats because we do that a lot on this show. So uh, he lasted longer in Cleveland than his last two stints as manager, uh, where he coached for four years in Philly and eight years in Boston. He did have a slightly higher winning percentage in Boston. Uh, he had a 574 winning percentage in Boston and had a 549 winning percentage in Cleveland. Um, but he had way more more wins because he coached three more years in Cleveland. He only lasted eight years in Boston. Uh, so he had 919 wins uh, here in Cleveland and only 744 in Boston. Uh, he was he was close to 2,000 wins for his career. He he Right now, he's at 1,948. Uh, 1948, the last year the Cleveland won the World Series. I'm sorry, I just, <laughs> you know, numbers pop up. It's weird. Uh, it is not a conspiracy. Um, so, yeah, so uh, he has a chance to break 1950 here. Um, but, yeah, maybe if he coached if he coached one more year, he could have broke 2,000 wins for his career, probably. I don't see the Guardians being that bad next year. Uh, so yeah, so he finishes his career with a 538 winning percentage. Those years in Philly were a little rough on him. Uh, what else here? Um, you know, obviously he, uh, he wins the two pennants and the two world series titles in Boston. He's only able to win one pennant here with the Cleveland guardians, but definitely gave us plenty and plenty of playoff opportunities here. Uh, he was ejected more in Boston than he was in Cleveland, despite coaching for three more years. He was ejected 25 times as Red Sox manager, only 17 times as Guardians manager. So he's hey, three games left. He's got a chance to get it up to 20 if he wants. Uh, it probably won't happen though. Um, what else here? Uh, they've got some stats on like stealing and stuff like that, which I, I think is probably more team dependent. 
he did steal more here in Cleveland than he stole in Boston. He stole second base at a 6.2% of the time. Here in Cleveland, he stole second base, or he, he called for a steal 8.3% of the time. Uh, so he was a little more aggressive on the base paths, even stealing third slightly more aggressively, 1.2% uh, of the time in Boston to 1.6% of the time here. Uh, had him lay down sack bunts uh, more here in Cleveland than he did in Boston, but hey, look at that lineup in Boston. Uh, and then uh, as far as awards go, uh, he didn't win AL Manager of the Year until he got to Cleveland. He never won it in Boston. Uh, the highest he finished was fourth, even in those World Series years. Um, so 2013, 2016, and then 2022, he takes home AL Manager of the Year. So uh, pretty cool that uh, you know he finally got his recognition here once he got to Cleveland. So that's just a little bit. That's his baseball reference page. I thought it was fun to kind of go back and take a look at that. Um, all right, so let's get into the game. Like like they said, like it was painted on the field. Thank you, Tito. Uh, thank you for for more than anything for just being a, a steadying force for this baseball team for the last few years. Uh, for being funny, for telling funny stories. Apparently, his scooter got stolen again. I don't know what this guy is doing with his scooter or where he is parking it. That it keeps getting uh, taken and uh, I, I just ridiculousness so uh hopefully wherever he goes next uh you know uh the scooter crime is less than it is in cleveland all right so uh let's get into the storylines of the baseball game here and uh i there, there really isn't much to this game the top storyline of the game is shane bieber pitched very well and uh, gave us some vintage Beaver, despite being hard hit a ton. He gave up 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 hard hit balls in 6 innings pitched. In 82 pitches, 11 hard hit balls. Which has been Beaver's thing like all season. He's given up extremely hard contact, but limited them to 5 hits. Just for some reason, he's made that work this season. I, I don't know how. So we get some vintage Beaver on the mound. Uh, with seven strikeouts, and then the Guardians score early and hold on to their hats and make it through uh, make it through nine innings. I mean, they really did themselves no favors offensively by letting a few opportunities go. Uh, they they ran themselves right out of some scoring situations. Probably, I mean, they made see. I think it's four outs on the base paths. Four outs on the base paths. I. It's really hard to do that and still win the game. Uh, you got uh, Straw getting caught stealing third. You've got Naylor getting caught stealing second. They were very aggressive on the base paths. Loriano and Freeman were able to successfully steal bases. but um, And then you got Rocchio thrown out at second base. Uh, trying to, with, Did Benson get both outfield assists? Former Cleveland Guardian Will Benson? Uh, no, Friedel got one. Uh, Friedel got Rocchio at second base. Benson got Jose Ramirez late in the game trying to stretch a single into a double, which usually works. Like I have a real hard time blaming Jose Ramirez for that because that usually works for him. And uh, that's been the team philosophy for the last two years is to be ultra-aggressive and take the extra base. And uh, you're just going to get thrown out sometimes. It's just going to happen. I don't think... Uh, 
I don't know. Uh, clearly, Ramirez getting thrown out, Rokio getting thrown out. I mean, Rokio didn't even get a chance to slide. He was that was more he needed to read. Rokio needed to read where the throw was going and see that the throw was going to get cut off at the pitcher's mound. It wasn't going to go through. And so, yeah, he was a dead duck at second base. Um, I mean, so that's probably why uh, Friedel gets the uh, no, because I India. Someone on the infield made that assist, uh, made that throw back to uh, second base. But Friedel still gets credit for the uh, outfield assist. Um, I thought that's how that play went down, if I remember correctly. But so, yeah, so I, I can't totally fault them for being aggressive. Uh, but it is still hard to give up four outs on the base paths and uh, and hang on to win the game. So uh, that hurt him. But like I said, the top storyline was Shane Beaver. He goes six innings pitched, five hits, one earned run, no walks, seven strikeouts on 82 pitches. So how did he do it? What was Bieber doing to be so effective? You know, we watched McKenzie struggle so much uh, in his start uh, back from injury. This is Bieber's second start. Well, he was keeping things down. The fastball was pretty much at the belt or below. Uh, he was pounding the strike zone with that fastball. He was able to hit that down in a way uh, corner multiple times. In fact, gets a couple of called strikeouts down there, uh, down to the glove side and painting that corner. And then, uh, you know, off of that fastball and cutter, that knuckle curve was dropping out of the strike zone and they were chasing it. And he gets a couple of strikeouts with guys chasing pitches down below the strike zone. I would love to see the the tunneling of those pitches. I Pitching Ninja is so good. Uh, the Twitter account, the YouTube guy, he's so good at doing these videos where he layers the pitches. So you can see how the tunneling of the fastball and then the knuckle curve coming in at the same plane and then dropping off the face of the earth leads to a lot of swing and miss. Uh, and I got to imagine with everything being located down tonight, that's probably what it felt like for those Cincinnati Reds hitters. So uh, let's take a look at the seven strikeouts. What did he do to get them? Like I said, there were uh, two fastballs that were absolutely painted on the uh, down and away corner. He gets Christian Encarnacio Strand, the final strikeout of uh, his uh of his game, of his performance, his sixth inning, to end the sixth inning on 0-2 count, just locks him up on a fastball that just nips the outside corner. And then he also got in the first inning, Jonathan India, uh, looking on a fastball down there. Uh, he got TJ... Oh, he got also got TJ Friedel. There were three of them. TJ Friedel frozen with a fastball right at the knees on the outside corner on a 1-2 count in the fourth inning. Uh, and then a couple of swing and miss, two on the slider. He gets Will Benson with one right at the knees in the third inning and then gets Spencer Steer to chase one out of the zone in the sixth inning. Uh, that was the second out, so he kind of locked it down to end that sixth inning and then gets uh, Spencer Steer to chase a knuckle curve in the dirt and gets Christian Encarnacio Strand to chase a knuckle curve in the dirt in the fourth inning. So uh, two big strikeouts there in the fourth inning, two in the sixth inning. Uh it's a good strikeout day for Shane Bieber. Going over to his CSW numbers uh, to further break down how he did it. Um, how was his velocity on the day? His velocity was okay. He was right around his yearly average. Uh, he averaged 91.2 on the fastball. Didn't max out very high. At, hit 92.5, but didn't fall below 90. His minimum was 90 miles per hour. So 
was able to be pretty consistent with his fastball velocity, uh, you know, throughout uh, throughout the game. Again, a healthy offseason of working out and and getting back into shape. You know, you probably lose a little bit of shape as the season grinds on. And obviously rehabbing to come back, you're not focused on building up that strength as much as you are as rehabbing the injury. So who knows? Maybe maybe he can be a little bit more effective with his four-seam fastball next season. But I'm not expecting much. I'm still expecting him to average around 91. But just that location. That location is everything for Bieber, just like the extension and the explosion is everything for Tristan McKenzie on his fastball. For Bieber, it is the location and being able to hit that corner consistently. Um, Got decent swing and miss on, not surprisingly, the knuckle curve and the slider. Both had a 40% plus whiff rate. Uh, It's only a 25% whiff rate total on the day. 17 17 called strikes makes it a 33% CSW total on the day. Um, so yeah, there you go. Uh, after him, uh, Ronaldo Lopez, uh, Trevor Stefan and Emmanuel Classe would finish out the game. Uh, Lopez looked, uh, pretty strong with that four seam fastball, although he didn't get a lot of swing and miss. They just couldn't put it in play. Uh, he got one whiff on that fastball. He threw it 15 times, but he got seven foul balls. Uh, they could not. Uh, one was put in play at 69.1 miles per hour exit velocity. So, forcing fastball, uh, very strong from Ronaldo Lopez. Uh, Stefan struggled. Uh, Stefan, it was pretty bad. He he has got to figure it out. Um, gave up uh, two hits in the eighth inning. Gave up two runs in the eighth inning. But came real close to letting him back in this game. He's lucky that he was able to escape and kind of lock things down. Especially because it was two leadoff back-to-back doubles. Uh, and then a bunch of gra- two ground outs get that runner home from third, uh, Jonathan India. So that's how they get their other run. But uh, he's able to strike out Christian and Carnacio Strand to get out of it, luckily. Uh, what pitch? Let's see what pitch gets him out of this uh, inning. Strand, man, uh, Strand had a bad game. How many times did he strike out? Three times on the day. Uh, it was splitters. He was chasing splitters outside of the strike zone. He throws him a four-seam fastball at the top of the zone to start the at-bat. Uh, and then it was splitters down in the dirt um, below the strike zone that he's chasing. Uh, so, uh, oh, no, he chases a splitter inside, way off the plate. He lays off the two splitters in the dirt and then chases one below the knees. Then he foul tips into the catcher's glove to strike out. So he didn't go after those ones in the dirt. Okay, I'll give him credit for that. But he eventually chases one down below the strike zone. Um, to uh, He didn't swing and miss on anything. He fouled off, fouled off, and then foul tipped it uh, into the catcher's mitt to strike out. So uh, Stefan works his way out of it, but... Yeah, it's it is not working, Trevor Stefan, in the eighth inning right now. Uh, coming back next season, I would not say that Stefan is my setup man going into next season. I think he's got to earn it again, earn those late inning appearances. I don't know who is going to be the setup man next year. Uh, they were talking. Uh, I can't remember. I was listening to the radio or the TV broadcast. I kind of bounced back and forth between both. I think it was a TV broadcast. Was talking about how Ronaldo Lopez probably got himself paid. Uh, since coming to Cleveland, uh, he's pitched very well uh, for us, and uh, the the bidding on him 
uh, based on what he was able to do in Cleveland here, is probably going to be pretty high. Um, let's see here. Uh, yeah, for uh, for the White Sox, he had a 4.29 ERA. For the Angels, he had a 2.77 ERA. For Cleveland, in 11 appearances, it's a zero ERA. He has not given up a run since coming to Cleveland. Um, I, so it's a small sample size. I mean, it's it's only 11 appearances. Uh, but the whip is down. He was a 131 whip in uh, in Chicago. Surprisingly, he had a 154 whip in L.A. despite not giving up that many runs. And uh, in Cleveland, it's a 0-7-0 whip. So that's huge. Uh, th- those are those are huge numbers, relief numbers here in Cleveland. And uh, could it be? Could it be that someone's going to see that and offer him a pretty hefty contract to be uh, they were they were talking like maybe this is his role, just like Andrew Miller, this this somewhere in the middle of the game to come in and just be an absolute weapon might be Ronaldo Lopez's best role, not necessarily as the closer or the setup man, uh, but the freedom to pitch anytime in the game. So I I would love for them to keep Ronaldo Lopez. I think that would be a that would be absolutely huge if they could hang on to him of Everybody they've acquired since the trade deadline, he he has clearly been the best performer and the one you'd want to hang on to. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, offensively, yeah, everybody hit except for Cam Gallagher. And you got to give credit. I know the emailers are about to, to Miles Straw and Jose Tana at the bottom of the lineup have multi-hit games. Straws, unfortunately, doesn't turn in any runs because he is caught stealing there at uh, third base. I get what they were doing with Gallagher up and Straw and Tana on, trying to be aggressive and move him up to third base, which means Cam Gallagher could at least make a productive out uh, in that situation. But unfortunately, Straw gets thrown out at uh, second base. But uh, Tana is able to come up with two hits. They were... Both kind of dribblers up the middle, but hey, it's a multi-hit game for Tana. Um, he does get an RBI out of the situation. Uh, Rokio, I liked his swing into right center field. It was a nice swing and be his only hit of the game. Uh, and he would drive in a run despite getting thrown out there on the bases. He would walk and score a run at some point in the game. And uh, yeah, everybody everybody found a way to contribute offensively. Um which was nice to see. Uh, like we said, Jose Ramirez chasing Josh Naylor uh, for the team lead in OPS. Oh, man, it's 835 for Ramirez to Naylor's 839. That's such a close, such a close race. Naylor came close to hitting a home run, uh, a two-run home run, which would have been nice in this game. It works as an RBI single, but uh, he hits it at 105.8 miles per hour, 350 feet to the wall in right field, but it was only a 19-degree launch angle. So uh, as Tom Hamilton called it on the radio, hit a two-iron out there to uh, right field. It would have been a home run in four out of 30 ballparks, including Yankee Stadium and Great American Ballpark, uh, two of the easier home run parks in all of baseball. Um, but it hits off. It's only the nine foot wall out there in right field, but that's how low of a liner it was from Josh Naylor. So he, he had the distance. He had the exit velocity, didn't have the launch angle. So, I mean, he hit it so hard. I, I don't blame him. Nobody was going to get the second on that one. Uh, it was a missile, uh, that easily comes back to the right fielder. So, uh, Naylor just misses hitting a home run. That was kind of the big shot of the day. 
Um, Loriano also had a double, uh, the only extra base hit on the day for the Guardians. So, yeah, uh, they score early. I mean, 11 hits, four runs. We can't complain about it too much because that's been the mark. And of course it turns into a one-run game. Of, of course it turns into it. That's been the theme all season for both Cincinnati and Cleveland. So uh, we were able to hang on and win this one. All right, that's all my thoughts. Let's let the uh, emailers go at it here a little bit. Um, Bob in uh, Highland Heights uh, got what he wanted. Uh, it's not the way we want it to happen. Arias getting hurt is not the way we wanted Rokio to come back here and get some at-bats at the end of the season. But uh, he said, I see Rokio's playing shortstop tonight. The move was obvious. I got that one right. Um but then uh, I followed up by saying, I will enjoy the win and ignore Gallagher catching and Stephens in the eighth inning. Why, Lord, why? Um, I think we all know why, Bob. I think we all know why. Uh, it's even even though we know it shouldn't happen. Um, so thank you. You did. Uh, you did, Bob. You got your wish. Rokio is probably going to, I would assume, play shortstop the next three games. Um unless he does something really crazy with the final lineup of the season, but it sucks that Arias is getting hurt. You hope the wrist injury isn't going to affect him too much in the off season, because I do, I want to see Arias and Rokio have a true battle for the, for shortstop next year. And, uh, I got to imagine that's going to be the competition with a little Jose Tana and Tyler Freeman thrown in there. Maybe I think Freeman is still just, Looking to you know be the utility guy playing he can play all three uh, infield spots there uh, aside from first base so I I think Freeman's best role probably is going to continue to be the utility infielder and I think those guys are going to compete but you know Selby's Godcast covered this uh, in detail it's shocking that we've made it to the end of the 2023 season and. The shortstop position and the log jam at middle infield still is not figured out. I mean, before you know it, Juan Brito is going to be here challenging for that shortstop position. And Angel Martinez might be close behind him. And you still got Frias. And there's so many guys. There's so many interesting prospects at middle infield. Use one of them, please, please, to help your outfield situation. To help your catching situation, I, please your bullpen situation, you uh, your starting pitching situation. Frankly, uh, you need a lot of starters to make it through the season, and having another reliable arm around here is going might be necessary. Uh, even with the three rookies coming back next year, like I know you can easily say, "Oh, it's fine. We'll go Bieber, McKenzie, uh, Quantrill." Bybee and Gavin Williams. Boom. There. Done. Uh, what do we need to think about starting pitching for? You probably need to think about starting pitching still. Now look how many starters it took to get through this season. Um, so, yeah. So, we'll see what happens. But use these middle infielders to do something. Something. Don't just make them all. You can't make them all utility infielders. All right. So, uh, let's give it uh, Let's give it over to the rest of the emailers here. Marlon. Uh, Man, Marlon and Jeff from Columbus both wrote lengthy emails here, so hang on. He says, hi, Davey. Kudos to the team despite Trevor Steffen's best efforts for winning in Tito's final home game as manager and retaining the Ohio Cup for the ninth consecutive year. We did it. We did it. Fire up the parade. 
Um, it was nice seeing vintage Bieber who pitched six strong innings in one of his best outings this season. It speaks volumes to how this team feels about Tito that Bieber was able to dig deep and find his best against the upstart Reds. He didn't want to spoil Tito's night. He looked like he started to lose a little steam in the sixth, but finished strong with a strikeout. Yeah, I, Bieber even said after the game that it felt, you know, tonight felt a little different and he did. It was easy to get up for this game and have the energy uh, and the strength to go out there for this game. So, uh, it did mean something for him. You're right. It, it, Bieber, act, honest to God, uh, via his comments post game, uh, was definitely pitching for Tito there. Uh, he said this game was eerily similar to last night in the fact that the team didn't uh, did all their damage in the first four innings, but didn't get a hit afterwards. Luckily, the pitching minus Stefan pitched superbly. Speaking of Stefan, I'm hoping he takes the next three games off. He needs to get some R and R and figure things out this off season. If he's bad in spring training. They should use one of his remaining options to use him as a depth piece. Uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone in the bullpen they are tr- that committed to, except for Emmanuel Classe, uh, where their uh, their role is is locked in for next season. I think the, you'll see a lot of the same familiar faces because that's just how a bullpen turns over. But uh, nobody's role is locked in except for Classe. Uh, Marlon continues, I would love to find out whose arm is stronger, Loriano's or Gabriel Arias's. Loriano's throw in the ninth inning was a thing of beauty and might have saved the game. I don't know what Marte was thinking of challenging Loriano, but I'll take it. Yeah, he threw him out. The Reds even gave up some runs on the base pass there, some runners on the base path there. So, And great job by Rokia for hanging in there, right? He took a hit uh, catching that throw. Marte sliding into him, uh, put him back on his heels. He's able to maintain his balance, but he stood in there tough. Uh, and I, I'm sure as the, uh, you know, as the shortstop on that play, you're watching the throw come in from right field. You're watching the runner barreling towards you. You see the collision coming, right? You see the timing. You're like, ah, oh, oh boy, I really hope this ball gets here before the runner does. Uh, cause it's all playing out right in front of you. Uh, all right, continuing with Marlon's email, what has gotten into Miles Straw the last couple of games? He combined for four hits and reached base five times in his two-game set. I was wrong in last night's email when I said he'd be more likely to see Bigfoot than Straw hit well again. Maybe the Guardians need to move to the NL Central and play the Reds 13 times per year instead of four. I'd also like to shout out Rokio and Tana for strong performances. They reached base four times tonight, and along with Straw, provided offense output at the bottom of the lineup. It's too bad, Bo Naylor. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, he, he says, Davey, I know you said you didn't want to hear about Strong Gallagher in the lineup anymore, but Bo should have played tonight, especially with an off day tomorrow. Yeah, yes, Marlon, but not tonight. Not tonight. We're not talking about it today. Uh, it's Terry Francona's day. It was nice to see everyone showing their gratitude for everything Tito's done the past 11 years. I know I've been hard on him this season, but he's done a lot of good things for this organization. He was what was needed, especially after a lost decade with Potato Wedge and Act a Fool at the helm. He laid a solid foundation for his successor, whoever that might be, Marlon in Birmingham. Thank you, Marlon, for your thoughts. And then Jeff in Columbus, Jeff with a G, said, what a nice way to close out Tito's final home game. Bieber pitched great and should go into the offseason with some well-earned confidence. I sure hope the Guardians can keep a hold of him next season. The bullpen did just enough to secure the victory. Once again, Lopez looked great. Stefan was a little shaky, and Classe closed it out with some help from a nice throwout at second base by Loriano to Rocchio on Marte's line drive to right field. It wouldn't be right to send Tito off on anything but a one-run game, right? 
but not coincidentally, the Guardians scored four runs, which we know is a key indicator of winning. By the way, the game started, I was anticipating scoring a few more runs beyond the 4-0 start, but again, we just couldn't get the big hit to break the game wide open and put up a few crooked numbers in later innings. I believe everyone got a hit except Gallagher, with Jose Strontana having two hits apiece, just no home runs. It was nice to see Rokio up again in Cleveland, not sure what the plan is for him, but he made some good plays tonight, and by all accounts, made the most of his time down in Columbus. Yeah, I heard that conversation too, Jeff. Uh, they were talking on the TV broadcast about how he, or maybe it was radio, I can't remember, uh, really went to work in Columbus and put in the work, didn't hang his head about being demoted, knew what his job was. His job was to play shortstop and get better. And by all reports, that's what he was doing down in Columbus. He said MVP consideration for Bieber, six innings uh, tonight. Classe for his 43rd save. That's two seasons in a row with over 40 saves. Or for old time's sake, Tito gets the MVP. I don't have a lot of strong feelings about Tito. Uh, change can be hard, so I hope the decision is made fairly quickly so the team can begin its transition and the players can feel comfortable with its leadership sooner rather than later. I know this season was disappointing, but I truly have enjoyed the following following the team nonetheless. I think our starting rotation is amazingly talented. Our young core of Quan, Jimenez, Arias, the Naylor brothers, and the plethora of other middle infielders, and of course my lord and savior, Jose Ramirez, who even in a down year still leads all third basemen in war, is going to end up being a 25-25 guy, as we found out is Shohei Otani's favorite player. Um, I'm thankful for this podcast and its listeners for creating a community and venue to keep us up to date about Cleveland Guardians baseball, share some thoughts and hear from other fans from time to time, and bring some extra fun and joy to my life. Shout out to you, Davey, for your efforts throughout the season and a tip of the hat to Marlon in Birmingham, Brian, uh, I think he means Bob in Highland Heights, Jeff in Palo Alto, and all the other morning people for making this season special. I hope the Guardians play well in Detroit and go into the offseason with their heads held high. Jeff in Columbus. Uh, as far as uh, the manager decision, I would expect, you know, usually the Guardians are pretty slow moving in the offseason. They're more reactive to the market and things like that as the offseason goes. I would assume that the manager decision is something they're going to move very quickly on. I would not be shocked if. I would be shocked if they've already started talking to some of the internal guys and consider doing those considerations. I wouldn't be shocked if I don't know when they're allowed to start officially interviewing and announcing things, but as soon as they can, I could see this going very fast. I'm sure they have all their names lined up who they want to bring in for interviews. I'm sure they've been doing their due diligence, keeping eye on guys for a while now. And uh, yeah, I expect this to be a quick decision. Unlike, you know, the outfield, fixing the outfield, which I expect to drag the entire offseason and, off and really make us suffer uh, to find out who's going to be the starting outfield next year. Uh, so thank you, Jeff and Columbus, and thank you all the emailers for your nice words and uh, for joining the conversation. I guess that's up to me then to decide MVP on the day. Look, I know it was Francona's day, but I don't think I can give him MVP for the day when he starts Cam Gallagher. So... Uh, Shane Bieber, definitely, definitely, uh, despite all those hard hit balls, uh, gave us some vintage Bieber on the mound, uh, finishes strong with those seven strikeouts, six innings pitched. Yeah, it sounds about right for Bieber. He usually runs out of steam around then, although he was only at 82 pitches in this one, uh, a fully healthy Shane Bieber probably keeps pitching. Um, so Bieber is getting MVP on the day for his final start 
of the 2023 season. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final, the Guardians win the Ohio Cup and hang on in a one-run game to win 4-3 to three over those Cincinnati Reds. I would like it if we played the Reds more. I don't know why they limit us to a two-games you know, two home-and-away series, two-there, two-here. Why not make it a full six-game series? And if they ever did radical realignment and we ended up in the same division with the Cincinnati Reds, I would enjoy that too. I like playing those guys. It's fun to battle for the Ohio Cup. Uh, as much as I joke about it, it is. It's fun to battle for it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. If you got thoughts about who the next manager should be, if you got thoughts about who the next shortstop should be, go ahead. There's still three games left to fill up the inbox and let me know your thoughts and we'll discuss it on the show. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Morning.